as we read your word in the Old Testament, Lord, let your words be heard. Lord, let our hearts be opened. And Lord, let our hands be strengthened to do your will. Amen. Our Old Testament reading is Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 through 20. See, I have set before you this day life and good, death and evil, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his ordinances, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you are entering to take possession of. But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you this day that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land which we were going over, Jordan, to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and cleaving to him. For that means life to you and length of days that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Our New Testament lesson comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the fifth chapter, continuing in the Sermon on the Mount. This is our third Sunday to look at the Sermon on the Mount. And we're looking at verses 21 through 37. Matthew 5, 21 through 37. Listen now for God's word. You've heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you'll be liable to judgment. If you insult a brother or sister, you'll be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you'll be liable to the hell of fire. So when you're offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're on the way to court with him or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you'll be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will never get out until you've paid the last penny. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right hand causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. 
For it's better to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go to hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of unchastity causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you've heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I love it when people quiz me about, have you heard so-and-so? For example, for the last couple of months, have you heard when Whole Foods is going to open on Broad Street? And it finally did. Or have you heard what is the scuttlebutt about the Navy Hill project here in Richmond? Or have you heard about who's ahead in the election? Or have you heard about the latest political tweet that some candidate has made? And what's interesting about that is that even if you've not heard about it, you can put your own spin on it and create whatever you want to out of that. It kind of reminds me of the game gossip that we play as adults and children. You sit in a big circle and the first person whispers to the second person a story and they whisper to the third and fourth all the way around until you get back to the leader and people are shocked at what the end result of the story is versus what the original story was. Well, Jesus is taking that kind of approach today in our passage. On four different occasions, he says, you have heard it said... And then he retorts, but I say to you, Jesus is wanting to be crystal clear of whatever we may have heard, for he wants us to hear the right thing. He wants to be crystal clear of what we may remember from what we've heard so that we know what is correct. He wants to be crystal clear that whatever we might remember, that this is the truth. In other words, Jesus is trying to clear the air and getting down to the nitty-gritty. It's his way of, in his way of thinking, he's gone from preaching on the Sermon of the Mount up to being very upfront and personal. As I mentioned earlier, this is the third Sunday we've looked at the Sermon on the Mount. The first Sunday were the eight Beatitudes that talked about our condition as well as our own motivation, as well as our own vocation. Last Sunday, we looked at our identity and our call to action. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And today, Jesus is inviting us to delve deeper into what it means to be a disciple. To go beyond the outward practice of what discipleship means to the inner reason for what that discipleship is all about. He's inviting us to go to what drives us to be Christian and why we do what we do. In fact, Jesus is talking about three of the Ten Commandments, number six and seven and nine. You shall not kill, you shall not commit adultery, 
and you shall not bear false witness. I call these three commandments, in fact, all of the commandments, the kind of exterior face of our faith. They are what we're called to be and to do. They are the boundaries within which we are called to be God's people and to be God's Christians. And they are the outward practice of an inner belief and thought. Jesus is moving deeper. He wants us to go beyond just what the commandments say and think that we have satisfied those by living up to those commandments to see what is really behind the commandments. So I invite you to join me to look at these three commandments as Jesus has looked at them. First of all, verse 21, you shall not kill or you shall not murder which to me is pretty obvious. I mean, to have a society and a group of people in which murder is not allowed means that we can at least be with each other and have some kind of community. In some parts of the world where life is worthless to many people, killing people is just normal kind of stuff. But we believe that it's not appropriate. But then you look at the examples that Jesus gives after he says this in order to define what killing is. If you're angry, if you insult someone, if you say, you fool. All of which Jesus is saying is a way to kill someone, to demean someone, not to deal with the person and whatever issue may happen between you and that person. In our day and time with social media, it is very easy to lob a barb or a tweet at someone. It's easy to belittle someone. It's easy to talk about someone behind their backs when you try to convince other people of how bad they are. For all of us want to stay on top. All of us need people to be a little bit uh, under us, if you will. All of us try to create a sense of security, which really is a false sense of security. So Jesus in this passage is not talking about physically killing someone. He's talking about the heart of the commandment. Anything that lessens someone else is a form of killing. Of killing the relationship, of staying aloof from the person, of thinking, I'm far better than that sinner over there. They're far worse than I am. So if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, Jesus is suggesting to us, being angry or insulting or calling people's na people names is out of bounds. It's not allowed. We're called to live on a higher plane which I believe is much easier said than it's done, and all of us have experienced that. Yet our calling is to accept and respect other people even when we disagree with them. I think it's a practical way to live out what the love of Christ is all about. That our calling is to accept people and love people even when we have to bite our tongue. And it's part of what this kingdom of God is all about that Matthew keeps pushing on us in the Sermon on the Mount. It's a part of a new way to live life. It's part of being Christian. The second commandment, <clears throat> thou shall not commit adultery. 
We all know what adultery is. Adultery is when two people have sexual relationships outside the bonds of marriage, and it happens all the time. It happens everywhere. It's the conversation at cocktail parties and in the offices. But Jesus goes on to define it in a deeper fashion beyond the physical interaction between two people. Anyone looking at a woman with lust has already committed adultery in his heart. Anyone looking has already committed adultery in his heart. The issue is about in his heart. Jesus moves away from the physical act to the motivation behind it and the way in which we look at other people. Remember Jimmy Carter? It kind of blew us all away when he admitted that he had lusted after some woman years and years ago. And so the question is, what does it mean? Can a man not look at a woman and admire her beauty? And to be fair, can a woman not look at a man and admire his masculinity in this day and time? Fair's for both sides. And then throw in the Me Too movement, and this whole issue becomes very complicated and complex. So I went to the web and looked up the meaning of adultery. And the definition there only is about physical um, action outside the bonds of marriage. But I looked up the word adulterated, and it gave me some clues that well, I found be helpful. Adulterated means to dilute, to contaminate, to pollute, to lessen, and to weaken. Part of Jesus' message here is that to commit adultery or to be adulterating a relationship means to dilute it, to contaminate it, to pollute it. Looking at a man or a woman with lust in our heart pollutes the relationship and dilutes it and causes us to taint it severely. For me, adultery is when I view a person as a thing that will provide pleasurable satisfaction to me. It's using someone else for my own gratification and pride. It's reducing someone else to an object from which I will get satisfaction and gain. Seems like that's possible in business dealings. Seems like that's possible in relations with one another. Seems like that's possible in a lot of situations in our lives. And painfully, we've witnessed this experience with all the molestation of children in our society and with the trusted leadership in parts of our society that have abused children and young adults and others. In the kingdom of God, adultery is not acceptable. Using people is not acceptable. Thinking you're better than someone else is out of bounds. For you see, Jesus is talking about righteousness all through this passage. Maintaining an honest and genuine relationship with other people is the key of what it means to live in the kingdom of God. Thou shalt not commit adultery, Jesus declares. Finally, taking oaths. Bearing false witness against other people. Jesus says, you've heard it said, you shall not bear false witness. We have an obligation to be honest and forthright in our relationships with one another. And that's part of how this new kingdom is to look and to act. 
And Jesus says, never swear, either by heaven or by earth or by your head. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And I have to tell you, I get nervous when someone says to me, now what I'm getting ready to tell you, you can take to the bank. Those banks don't have FDIC insurance, and most of them have got no money in them. And my experience when someone wants to prove to me they're telling me the whole truth is that they never are when they go to such effort to try to convince me that they're right. Jesus is declaring that your yes be yes and your no be no. For anything else, he says, comes from the evil one. Now, I think what he's meaning there is anything else comes from some ulterior motive on your part. That you're trying to say something you really don't mean. That you're trying to cover up something that you need to uncover. That you're trying to do something that you know you ought not to be. For there's no need to try to impress other people. There's no need to be someone that you're not. Your word is all you have. And so keep that word honest. But the problem with not being honest is that oftentimes we start telling lies. And then we forget who we lied to. So we're not sure if we told you this or told you that. And the next thing you know, it gets all confused and discombobulated. So in this life, this new life, just tell the truth. Be honest. Be straightforward. And yet a word of caution about that. Some people get very proud about the fact that they're only honest and straightforward. And in being that way, they use that honesty and that straightforwardness as a way to be a weapon to hit you over the head with it. And instead of building up the relationship, it begins to tear down that relationship. So when we answer and when we're honest with people, do so with love. Do so with gentleness. Do so with kindness. Do so in a way that you would like to hear those same words before you attack someone with your great honesty and straightforwardness. Just let yes be yes and no be no. These verses from Christ, I find, are very instructive of how to live out our Christian faith. It's a helpful reminder to us that we don't live by a set of rules, but we live by something deeper than that. That yes, we have rules, and we live by those rules, and the Ten Commandments are great boundaries for us. But there's something far deeper than those rules Something far deeper and more important than just saying, I didn't kill anybody. When I found myself being derogatory someone. It's far more sufficient and fulfilling to live by the reason for the commandments than just simply say, I didn't commit adultery. I didn't steal. I didn't bear false witness. Look behind them of what the purpose is. For Jesus says in verse 17, I do not come to abolish the law, but instead to fulfill it. And I think that's our calling. That we're not here just to check off the fact that we've obeyed all the laws. But we're here to fulfill what those laws are about. And in this passage, I think it's all about relationships. About your relationship with everybody in your life. 
and how you treat those people and how you live with those people and how those people are significant for who you are. That's what this passage is about. It's not about nitpicking and saying, I qualify and I didn't do certain things. It's about whether you're fulfilling the law, whether you're living out in full effort the Christian faith. And so I guess for me the question is, are you willing to practice what you preach? Are you willing to live out what the scriptures say? Are you willing to make a difference in people's lives because God has made a difference in your life? Let us pray. Eternal God, we find ourselves caught sometimes about fulfilling the law and doing what's right, and yet we miss the very essence of why the law is there. We miss the very essence of what it means to, feel, to live a fulfilled life. We miss the very essence of how we can be faithful disciples. So help us to fulfill the law in who we are and how we live so that we can truly call you Lord and Savior. Through Christ our Lord.